Kia my whanau, welcome back for another episode of Best Side, Season 3, Episode 7. And in this episode, we're getting into a deeper meaningful uh, with the one and only Monique Carmella. So Monique, uh, on her website, is trained in remedial massage, sound healing, biodynamic breathwork, energy healing and yoga. Through her own healing journey, Monique has strengthened and attuned to intuition and has a direct channel to source, offering healing, wisdom and sacred practices with her clients. We get into a massive corridor about all the tools that people can use uh, to help pull them out of these pitfalls that can come along with the peaks of life. You know, when you get into those moments of sadness, anger, frustration, everything like that, we go through breath work, uh, sound healing, frequencies, um, the medicine of cacao, um, and also some other self-love stuff as well. So if you're looking for tools, to arm you for the next little while. For a lot of people, the world has been pretty crazy as of late. You've come to the right spot um, to find out what's going on. So kia ora my whanau, strap yourselves in. We're in for another episode. Once again, you're listening to Best Side, Season 3, Episode 7. This is me with Monique Kamala. Let's go. All right, well, we, we got there in the end. We've been trying to catch up with one another for a little while now uh, since you visited New Plymouth. So welcome, Monique. Awesome to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be here. I'm trying to think like how to articulate, because this, this is quite funny, because you and I, we only met briefly like at a lunch and it was like both of us were stuffing our faces. So we didn't get a chance to, <laughs> well, that's not fair. I was stuffing my face. You were wrangling a, a new baby and also you had uh, your partner Liam there as well. And so um, we didn't get much chance to chat. But the reason why I wanted to catch up with you is because I had some friends participate in a, a course that you've done. Yeah. For lack of a better term, I don't know what to call it. A workshop, <laughs> a course that you ran. And um, yeah, they, they really seem to get a lot from it. And I feel like with the craziness that's going on um, at the present time, that the, the tools and the things that you showed them during that workshop I feel like would be super beneficial to a lot of people that are out there listening um so yeah just to give context as to why I wanted to come and speak to you um so can you tell me a little bit about just who you are where you grew up where you're from all that sort of stuff yeah so I originally I'm from Perth Australia and then I moved over to New Zealand about a couple I think it's been two years now um, so my partner is actually from Blenheim, so we're based in the south, but funnily enough, we, we actually came here as we were living on the Gold Coast when we met and it just got crazy and I was going down some deep, dark rabbit holes and mm -hmm. I needed to get out. <laughs> so I almost, I guess, ran away a little bit and just wanted, just wanted some peace where I didn't know anyone, like just somewhere where I could slow down and yeah, just regroup kind of thing. Um, and next thing we knew we were pregnant. So, <laughs> um, and then all the craziness started. We were actually visiting Perth just before the first lockdown hit. Um, and we decided, well, I decided I wasn't finished in New Zealand. Something was calling me back. And so we were like, now nah, let's get back. Got back here two hours before <laughs> the lockdown. Um, and that's when we found out that I was pregnant and everything just kind of flew and unraveled from there um but yeah i've just been on this healing journey for quite some time now seeking a way to 
almost like heal or fix um i've come to the realization there was nothing to fix but it was on on this journey of thinking i needed to be fixed for a long time and looking for these spiritual practices tools teachers whatever i could get my hands on to heal what i was experiencing which was mainly depression and anxiety and they were like the the big things and also not being able to use my voice i couldn't really speak to someone just one person in front of me if i didn't know them i saying hello would be terrifying for me and i was having panic attacks and hiding behind this mask this smile that people just thought it was i was all all good um and i wasn't i was just having these huge intense panic attacks um and then it wasn't really and so it was about probably five years into this journey of looking for tools something to help me and i came across breathwork i actually stumbled into a workshop which i thought was a meditation and it was not <laughs> um and yeah it just was so shaking like it just shook my ground and broke some things open and i was like i need to know what this was and then I asked that question and then funnily enough, a course showed up and it was recommended to my partner Liam and I took that opportunity I was like I have to go. So that's when I started my breathwork journey and that's the the workshop that I recently um, shared with a couple of your friends um, that you just mentioned. And so yeah, it's been a big journey of unraveling my layers and healing and integrating my experiences in order for me to have the capacity to hold space. And as this little baby came through, he helped me to purge out, clear out and realign so that I could be in this space of holding space for others. And so as he was birthed through the, the business that my partner and I run together was birthed through with him. And we as a family run these workshops all over New Zealand now. So it's been quite the journey. And yeah, I could probably talk for ages just about that part. Um, but yeah, we really want to get into the, the breath work and some other things. So yeah. <laughs> cool. No, that's awesome. That's a good, that's a great lay of the land. It definitely gives me some some avenues to explore. Um, first question I want to ask, and it's 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 not deep or anything at all. I'm just curious because I lived in Perth for about five years. So whereabouts did you grow up and stuff in Perth? And what was it like growing up in Perth? Yeah. Uh, northern suburbs. So past Joondalup in Butler. Oh, wow. That was kind there. of, yeah, kind of the main area that I was like, I jumped around a little bit, but yeah, it was pretty much there. And I found um, recently since reflecting, like probably the last couple of years of reflection, mm. I noticed how like growing up in suburbia um, and the things that were kind of programmed or put out into my reality, I felt um a lot of fear so fear to even to just like say not wear shoes outside or fear of um there might be someone outside like be careful um kind of thing so there was a lot of fear of like yeah just growing up so i think i was shut down from from that that sensation of be careful of what's outside the house kind of thing mm -hmm. um like bubble boying yourself yeah and yeah so it was it was a challenging upbringing so as i mentioned i struggled with depression anxiety and that since i can remember and i'm not 100 percent sure what 
triggered it. I have, there's a lot of different aspects to it and awarenesses that I now have around it. Um, but I just remember being so low all the time and going through these kind of waves and um, it was like these extreme highs and extreme lows and like the panic and fear and just a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I also grew up in a house of, um, I had five sisters. So there was wow. six, six girls, my mum and my dad in the house. And there was a lot of drama um, <laughs> and stuff going on in, in everyone's world. So it's a lot of realities in, in one house. Yep. So yeah, definitely a challenging upbringing. <laughs> but at the same time, my parents are still together. There was a lot of love in the house. All our needs were always met. Um, so it still had a lot of beautiful aspects and a lot of growth that was able to come from that. So, yeah. Whereabouts <laughs> do you sit like in terms of oldest to youngest? Whereabouts are you on the, uh, the scale there? I'm number four. So there's three older and I'm the first of my dad. So it's a blended family. Mm -hmm. But the older ones, their dad left quite young um, when they were quite young. So my dad took them on. So we didn't consider them to be stepsisters. They were, we were all just a, a big family and my dad was like, totally. everyone calls my dad, dad. So yeah. Epic. <laughs> um, I, the only reason why I asked, so I'm, I'm one of six as well. Mm. And so like, I'm similar in that. I was the second youngest. Um, that sounds similar to kind of, you might've been one up maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, but uh, yeah. And it's funny, like you mentioned, like um, the kind of, I, 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 when I think of it visually in my head, it's sort of like a, a bit of a train station, you know, there's a lot of coming and going. People got their own stuff going on. People trying to get to their appointments. They might bump into someone else. Mm. And um, I, t I totally like, obviously everyone's own story is their own story, but I definitely relate to like, everyone just worrying about their own shit and probably not being too considerate <laughs> of others at the time. And it's real funny to reflect on now that we're older because we can actually have conversations like, hey, remember that time that you did this and you're a bit of a dickhead? And then they can be like, yeah, well, I did that because I had this going on. And then there's, oh, I didn't know that. And we, it's funny to actually conversate and laugh about it. Now, do you have that with your siblings at all? Yeah, um, a little bit. I, th I think I've had moments of it. Um, I feel like I, in the, the big group of us, I felt like the black sheep, mm. <laughs> really. And I, I felt like I kind of got lost in the group. Like there was just so much going on that I, I think that's another area where I lost my voice was because I wasn't maybe being heard or there was just so many others that were louder um, that I kind of just felt lost. And I think because I went on a very different journey to most of my family, that black sheep has gotten even more black. <laughs> <laughs> when you didn't think it could be a more deeper black. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now that I'm also in a different country, because they're all still in Perth. So yeah. there's still that kind of everyone's doing their own thing and it's out of sight, out of mind. And there was a bit of challenge with that um, because it started where I moved from the suburbs into the city and that was kind of the first distance. And I, again, felt that out of sight, out of mind. Then I moved to the Gold Coast, which was across country and now into another country. And I think it's just gotten easier to kind of out, that out of sight, out of mind feeling. Um, and I've come into a place of almost like this humble acceptance of, I don't need to talk to them all the time to know that there's that loving energy exchange. 
Mm. and coming into that place of I can think of them and rather than having that resentment that I have had for a long time, I can see them with and feel them with gratitude and love and knowing that they were part of a, a pivotal part of my journey and they gave me so much with, and they may not even know that and I'm only really acknowledging it in the last probably four to six months that I'm actually like, oh, it's okay that they're not reaching out to me because I can just connect to them energetically now and I just feel them in that space. And I know that they got their stuff going on and I got my stuff going on and we can be on completely different journeys, but there's still that connection. Um, and so I've made that kind of energetic connection with all of them inside myself without actually needing to tell them, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm loving you. <laughs> yep. um, they just, I just know that they're receiving it and trust it. They know that that's there somewhere inside of them. How funny is it or what comes up either or when you kind of reflect on how like you used to react to those things in comparison to now how you are with those things? Mm. Yeah, because even like just having these kinds of conversations, it triggers those reflections as well. Um, and funnily enough, I also just did our um, meditation this evening and it was on self-reflection. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's really just all so aligned. Um, but yeah, it's quite amazing to notice that shift in this moment of when I would think of them, I would be resentful that they weren't reaching out to me and they weren't kind of wanting to be a part of my journey. But now it's, yeah, that quite a huge shift where I'm just like, you know what, we're doing our things. And we can still love and have that relationship without actually needing to have them physically here or physically mm. speaking to me. So that's quite a profound um, shift. Mm. Um, thanks for being receptive to that question, because I know like a lot of people <laughs> would probably be, you know, not understand or they wouldn't be willing to answer it. So I really appreciate you answering that because I think, I think that's something that's so common, right? Is that, we kind of wait for them to make the move like yeah. my family might you know and I, and I can only speak I guess relative to what you're saying because I've gone through that similar thing with my family it's like why don't my brothers talk to me or how come my dad hasn't reached out to me if I hear they've been talking I'm like oh no one gave me a phone call and so mm. when I reflect on how those attitudes used to be it is like I can't like I'm not I, I mean, hopefully I'm not judging myself but I do kind of laugh like yeah. I do kind of giggle like, man, I can't believe that's how you used to feel or think about stuff. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's seeing all these different versions and aspects of yourself. And yeah, we can see from that place of the judgment, but also kind of the humbleness and the, the compassion for all the, the levels and all the journeys and experiences that we've had. But yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, Oh, but now it's kind of rather than from a place of because I was always so self-critical and judgmental like many of us are mm. now I can kind of yeah have that laugh like you just said and have a bit of a giggle and hold space for the journey and for all of my emotions and experiences rather than actually shunning them or yeah. <laughs> embarrassed by them. <laughs> I, I find myself talking to myself aloud, eh? Like if I do something, <laughs> like say if something, I don't know, trying to think of something really petty that pissed me off lately. I know that some stuff has, but like I, don't, I can't think of anything specific right now. But I'll actually, I've actually caught myself 
audibly saying to myself, bro, are you serious right now? Like you're letting yourself get upset. And then I'll audibly have a laugh and then I'll go and watch TV or go for a walk or something. But I noticed that I physically actually stop and have a giggle as opposed to just letting it be a thought now. Do you have yeah. moments like that? All the time. Um, that's a massive thing. And the funny thing is because having my partner Liam, like he's just a, a, like a deep space holder and he'll just be silent and I'll be talking aloud and it's like I'm just thinking aloud really and he's this like soundboard and I just start laughing at myself as like kind of observing what I'm getting irritated at or observing myself sharing my thought patterns and then I can see that reflected in him and we just both laugh at like how did you even get there like yeah. <laughs> but yeah same thing like these petty little things that come up but now rather than getting angry at yourself or annoyed at the ego it's actually like becoming friends with the ego and just <laughs> having a good laugh at it and yeah you're right though like I I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but my observation is, is that I'm probably more of a Liam in that sort of scenario that I'll sit there with friends and they'll just kind of, you know, verbally diarrhea out and just go hard. And then eventually <laughs> they realize they've answered their own question. Because um, I think I, I call it like a boogeyman theory, right? When you don't, when you don't see the boogeyman, that's what makes the boogeyman scary. So when I, when I relate that to thoughts, like when you kind of leave them as thoughts, that's what can make them a bit, I, I guess, drowning or a bit quicksandy. But then when you audibly put them out, that gives you the chance to see them and you kind of realize how ridiculous and unscary it is. And mm. that's, I, I see that happen a lot. And I, I can imagine you and Liam sitting there just because I've met the pair of you and I've been in similar situations that you've described that you're eventually talking, 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 talking. And then you kind of, just, there's like almost like a penny drops and then you just start giggling. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's kind of like a, a verbal journal because I'll go through phases of when I actually sit with my journal and write out, but I notice sometimes just actually talking aloud to Liam and just speaking out my thoughts or my awarenesses or my insights, things just like are flowing through and it's almost like I'm in this kind of trance state of channeling my insights and they're just kind of moving through and then I'll be sharing stuff that... I didn't really re realize that I already knew. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's quite a fascinating. And does Liam ever say things back to you that obviously, because you're just in that flow state, you're not really recording per se, say things like, yeah, remember when you said this? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's usually me saying, remember when I said this? And he says, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, feel, I feel like I've done them dirty now. I've ran them out. <laughs> my bad bro if you're listening I didn't mean to do that to you. um you've mentioned before about like anxiety and panic attacks and depression and stuff like that was that stuff that you always knew what they were at the time they were happening or you only know you only know mm. what those are now that you reflect or that you've learned and you've got these tools and things to to use now to look back on things no I didn't actually know that that's what the experience was I actually thought it was me I thought what I was experiencing was who I was and that there was something wrong with me. And that's where I went on the journey of needing to fix something because I was, I felt so broken and I would see other people and look, and it would just look like they had it all kind of going for them. Like they could speak, they looked like they were having fun. They um, were popular, had the friends or the boyfriend or, or whatever it was. And I could barely speak to the person next to me kind of thing. 
So I was looking at others and thinking, well, why can't I be like that? Because I think, well, I feel naturally I'm an introvert, but I would see these extroverts and see them as better than me. So I thought that I had to be an extrovert in order to be happy. So then I was trying to find different ways to be extroverted, which took me down the path of alcohol. And that's where the inhibitions are gone. And then all of a sudden I had a voice. So that was another big part of my journey of moving through that. Um, Cause I was used, I ended up using alcohol to find my voice and to feel like I had friends or, or whatever the case. But yeah, I thought the depression was me and I thought the anxiety was me. I didn't actually label it at that time. I just thought there was something wrong. Um, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to use my voice. So I didn't know how to ask for help. And I didn't know who I, I didn't feel safe to share what I was feeling with someone else because if it was me and there was something wrong with me and then I'm admitting that wrongness to someone and they're going to see that wrongness. And I was fearing that judgment. Mm. So there was just a lot of layers in it. And I was really just stuck in the middle and consumed by it all and just had, did not know how to go about it. So it wasn't until like, there was just a lot of um, suicidal thoughts. So I was never, I don't feel like I would have ever acted on it, but they were there. And it was just getting to the point where I was like, I'm just so sick of feeling this and having these thoughts. And so I asked someone or something, I don't know if it was God or whatever. I didn't really know what I believed in at that point. So I was just asking something out there to help me, <laughs> to give me um, something to, to live for pretty much. And then it was funny, the next day my sister actually came over and I had talked to her about potentially looking into Buddhism and she said, Oh, I'm going to go to this blue Buddha shop in Perth. And so I was like, I'm going with you. This must be the sign that I was asking for. And so I we went and looked at some books and I picked up a few books and one of them completely changed the path that I was on. And so that was the Celestine prophecy. So that was the first spiritual kind of book that I read. Um, and that just kind of blew me away at that point. And then it was just, yeah, there's something kind of awakened within me and it was like this light of hope of like there's something more out there that, that I can I can shift this. So that started that journey and, yeah, from there it kind of just went into these huge highs and lows, like all of a sudden I'd feel amazing and then I'd feel low again. But at least I was feeling good because I hadn't felt that in a, like ever. But yeah, so that's how that went <laughs> Far out. i want to ask quickly before we we go into like i guess some of those those highs and lows and those ups and downs you just mentioned that as an introvert you felt at times that extroverts were better than and i feel like that happens a lot like a lot of mm. it's almost like being quiet and unassuming is seen as being a bad thing or detrimental um what what do you think it is about like extroverts that seem like it's the way to be. Yeah, I think there's a lot of programming around it. So I remember when I was quite young, I was pretty quiet, like, and pretty introverted already. But I know how, how accepting and welcoming of that my mum was. And so when I was really young, if I was late to school, so this was probably like primary school or like really small, um, if I was late, I would be petrified to go inside and have everyone stare at me 
So I would sit on the bench outside and the teacher couldn't get me to go in. They'd have to call my mum in to get me to go into the class. That's how like introverted and I didn't want anyone to look at me. And mum would come in and she would just sit with me until I was ready. And so I know that she was always really supportive of my process. Um, but I remember having an auntie that would kind of look down on me for being so quiet. Um, so that was something personal for me, but I know there's a lot of kind of programming that I've become aware of where it's, there's kind of this push to answer someone. Like if you're in a, in class in a school, it's like they kind of point you out and put you on the spot and like answer. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's kind of like the people that do tend to speak up and show up and are quite extroverted they seemed to in my experience I just saw them kind of getting further mm. um with like they had all the friends they had um the the boyfriend or like yeah they just seemed to be things seemed to be easier for them but I I don't know if it was because like you said earlier we sometimes think oh why didn't this person do this or why did they do this but we didn't realize what was going on for them so we all have our challenges but that's how I was perceiving the world at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do believe there's a lot of programming around, yeah, the extroverts kind of having maybe that, that better than, um, but that could just be my experience as well. So I try to get like, I guess I relate to that in a way that, um, you know, if you look at Hollywood, like the majority of those people are like outgoing and then that's like something to kind of be envious of or, want to be almost mm. so it's like yeah I, I fully get that it's um it's a strange one programming I've never thought of it as being programming but there's definitely going to be some more diving in there I'm looking I've got to think more about that and dive in, into that as well um mm. so you mentioned so you mentioned the book and how that changed um how do I say it? Celestine prophecy or Celestine yeah 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 and you mentioned how that helped to alter the course of life I guess let's call it but then also you said that meeting Liam and having baby did that happen quite succinctly quite quickly from what you were saying or did I hear that right yeah so when I that from picking up that book I went through quite a long dark night of the soul where I was experiencing those highs and lows so I think that was probably around when I was let's say 19 20 mm -hmm. um so that was about what six, seven years ago. And then I met Liam um, last, not last year, <laughs> two, two and a half or so years ago. So it was 2019 mm -hmm. um, that we met the beginning of that year. And we didn't kind of start straight away. It was probably, I'd say about four to six weeks of us meeting that we actually came a thing but it wasn't intended it really snuck up on me because it was like oh we're just <laughs> we're gonna be mates kind you gotta of watch thing. out for those south islanders <laughs> yep <laughs> um and neither of us were like because he wasn't thinking of sticking around and i wasn't seeing him that way but then once we started hanging out it was like we were hanging we caught up on the thursday and by the sunday 
we were a thing because we met and then we didn't actually speak or catch up for that four to six weeks and then yeah all of a sudden he reached out I was like let's get coffee and we were just thinking yeah mates and maybe some business stuff that we were going to do together mm-hmm. but yeah that was the Thursday and then yeah the Sunday we were a thing <laughs> and then I think it was a couple weeks later and then the love bomb was dropped and then <laughs> it was I think what another two to four weeks after that that he came to Perth to meet the family and then when we got back from Perth I we moved in together and then yeah a year later we've got a a baby (laughs) can I ask at the time because I mean that's so interesting because I'm I'm a big believer that like I'm not going to say when you know you know but you know there's there's no kind of like um you know, I don't think there should be like a timestamp put on things or when they should happen. Fast or slow is uh, depends on whoever's involved, right? But what were, if there were any, what were, and if they weren't, then that's awesome. But were, at the time, were there like perceptions or like narratives that people were trying to push on you guys? Like, this is way too quick. You've only just met him. Was there that sort of shit happening? No, it's actually quite funny because awesome. I think it was me that was having that internal talk with myself because okay. I always I always heard these stories of oh they met the person and then this and that and it was all like happened so fast and I was like yeah well that's not gonna happen to me <laughs> <laughs> like it was re- that real kind of snotty teenager feel that I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just never gonna get that um <laughs> and then it was that moment where I actually all those times of just complete surrender of like you know what it's fine I'm okay with it and that's when it showed up and I was like of course like I knew that that's what would happen but trying to force yourself to surrender is it just doesn't work I I remember the word surrender and letting go was just such, such a challenge for me because I was all for so long I was in this place of trying to control everything mm. and that's where a lot of my rigidity came in and this trying to force the healing and needing to be fixed. And I was looking from a logical place of give me the steps of how to fix myself. (laughs) Give me the steps of how to heal. Give me the steps of how to surrender. So I was like, I can do one, two, three, just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And then that'll be surrender for me. And that's not surrender. (laughs) So it's quite funny. It was, there's all these little steps that were happening without me even really being that aware of it there was like this area of consciousness and then there's all the subconscious stuff going on, but there was things happening beneath the surface that I didn't quite, wasn't quite aware of, but it was when I actually was, okay, you know what? I'm looking for someone. They're not showing up. I'm just going to let that go because it's creating suffering. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just going to focus on this other thing that's giving me joy, which was at the time I was looking at, um, like I was in a new city building a, uh, a business. I don't even remember really what I was doing at that point, but yeah, I was just like, just let that part go. And then that's when Liam messaged me. As soon as you did. <laughs> Pretty much. And I didn't think anything of it because I wasn't like, we'd met, but I didn't see him in that way. So when he reached out, I didn't attach to it. <laughs> and that was the perfect thing. That was the window that he creeped in because I wasn't attached to him being anything. I love that analogy. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I love that. Analogy. It's the window that he crept into. Yeah. And it's really funny because that's how he proposed was falling through a window. <laughs> oh, wow. Where was this? Is this? Please tell me this is at your parents' place or something. 
<laughs> it was actually on a, a holiday down south in what I used to call Wanaka. <laughs> so yeah, we went to Wanaka when we first came over. Um, and yeah, it was, that was, oh, life is quite funny how it all unravels. Like I had this for years, this envisioned perfect engagement <laughs> and that is not what it was. <laughs> feel free to share tell us to take us through what happened and like like uh, compare it to what you had in your mind yeah so my I guess because I've always been the fairy tale of I'm going to be this damsel in distress and my hero is going to come <laughs> and save me and take me to Paris or somewhere beautiful and fancy and this, got this vision of luxurious a now <laughs> yeah horses like the whole shebang and it was just going to be this massive rock and <laughs> everything just ridiculous fairy tale um yeah and instead <laughs> it awesome. ended up being liam <laughs> <laughs> a new zealander who i i never thought i would um be in a relationship with a new zealander and i i think that's actually related to trauma but it just wasn't even in my thought process but here we are and then yeah so we I kind of already knew well I already knew it was coming because he kept dropping hints from like six months of being together was like all these hints being dropped I was like I kind of know but not for sure and then yeah I, he ended up like I knew he was going to ask my dad permission when they um came to visit when we were on the gold coast so i knew that had happened so i kind of knew um and then well i ended up choosing my ring and i was like well it's probably better that i choose and then i know i like it because i have a bit of that <laughs> control freak so i was like it's fine um so i did that and then it was kind of like he took it and then it was up to him for the rest and i was trying my best to release the control which i guess is part of now that I really reflect on it, it was part of, part of the journey was me to actually, I wasn't releasing the control enough for him to surprise me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like in that. Um, so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, and then it ended up being that his brother wanted to propose to his partner at the same time. So then they were like, okay, well let's team something up so that we can both get that surprise um without one kind of being on the outside like oh <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah so the it started with a visit to liam's nan or nana who's in the retirement home and they the brothers went there and showed her the rings and told her the plan because because she wasn't going to be able to come and then when we all went to visit nana before we left for the trip oh no she she asked us so what did your parents think um of the engagement <laughs> <laughs> so she dropped dropped the bomb and his brother's partner didn't know so i took the heat because i did know so i was like oh um yeah we 
we haven't told them I went um and yeah it was just like oh Monique it's okay Monique already knew because everyone was kind of like oh oh shit like what's happening yeah and so yeah they kind of just put the heat on me I was like yep that's fine I already know anyway so we'll save the surprise for her (laughs) and then so they were kind of like rectifying that and then they yes she just got told that it was me um that was getting proposed to and she's like oh okay (laughs) and then yeah so we did the trip and then all the plans kept falling apart so they kept having these different ideas of how they were going to propose together and we were both going to have that at the same time and they wanted their parents there and and la-di-da and her parents were there as well um but then from that retirement home they picked up a bug <laughs> a bug oh yeah, I'll get so a virus so, yeah. yeah so everyone except for me pretty much and i think um maybe one of the parents got sick so everyone was vomiting pretty much for a couple of days and really <laughs> off so then that went the first or the second maybe first and second plan so then we're like okay we're all feeling better this one day we're going to go to queenstown we'll do it there but then liam's mum didn't want to come and they didn't want to do it without her so they were like <laughs> okay let's scrap that plan you could write a movie I- about this Yep. And then so the next plan was we'll get back early as sunset is um, the sun setting and we'll go to the um, most photographed tree in Wanaka and we'll do it in the park. And <laughs> and Liam's sister's a photographer so she can get nice photos. Well, we decided to go to a bar and <laughs> before you knew it, of, it was dark. Enough? No, it was, it just got too dark. So we're like, okay. And then I think it was the next day that we were leaving. So it was kind of like we ran out of options. So <laughs> they didn't have a plan from there, but because it was so like we, they needed to do it then and there really, his brother went on his own bandwagon and decided to do it without Liam knowing. So he had oh, the, the ring in a pouch, I think on his sister's dog. And it was kind of like a, quite a surprise everyone was everyone was shocked because we didn't there was no plan for this one it was really out of the blue yeah um the surprise wasn't part of the surprise plan yeah (laughs) but then I'm everyone's excited and I'm sitting there like oh I've just taken the heat so everyone thought that I was going to get proposed to and now she is and I'm just like sitting here like and I could just feel this fire like building of like just (laughs) just like kind of anger but also I wanted to be I wanted to be like really celebratory and happy for them so I was kind of like in this space of but so happy for you so it was just like these yeah and there was just so much intense energy in my body I just remember like sitting there frozen of like um I don't even know what to do here like I feel like I need a moment to go and be with my emotions but I didn't want to leave and be rude yeah that's such (laughs) a juxtaposition of things going on yeah and so we and because Liam was really taken um by like as well so he was like oh god (laughs) so he didn't know what to do either and so I ended up having a, a glass of champagne to celebrate with them and then I felt like I stayed long enough that I could kind of go and be with my emotions so I left and um, as I was going to the bedroom, <laughs> um, his brother's partner was 
gave I, I gave her a hug and was like, "Oh, congratulations!" She's like, "Oh, thank you. You'll be next." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and oh, I was God. like, <laughs> "I was like, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm just gonna take a moment." Man, now. <laughs> how is this not a movie? So- and so I've just gone to the bedroom and had a, a bit of a cry because I just needed to release the energies. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um. And so no one knew really what was going on. So I was probably perceived as (laughs) a bit rude. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I just needed that moment. And then Liam came in and he was quite upset as well. And then I was like, what's wrong? Like, he's like, oh, I just, I didn't know this was going to happen. And it's just not how it was planned. And I was like, look, you've had so many opportunities. You didn't need to... Um, you didn't need to wait like you could have done your own thing like we didn't need everyone around um but he was like yeah but I I don't know what to do now and I was like you've got to go and figure it out like (laughs) (laughs) and so he ended up leaving the room because I I got a bit um frustrated with him at that point I was like seriously dude like you've had the opportunities like go (laughs) go deal with it go deal with yourself (laughs) so he left the room and I was just like oh now because I was just about to actually be ready to come out but now I had all this new emotion I had to sit with <laughs> so I went and sat back down I was like I'm going to be with this new emotion um, and the amazing thing was having the tools and the breath work really helped me to have these tools of you know I've just got to sit with this emotion and let it move through so this was really good <laughs> but yeah. yeah so he ended up going I didn't know he was doing this so I did get my surprise in the end he went around the house and then he knocked on the window as I'm kind of with my frustration in the in the pitch black room. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> he opens the window. His sister's creeping up behind him with, um, she's trying to video it. And she's got the light shining in. So it's like this like bright light, almost like a police on the window. <laughs> she's trying to record it. There's the cheesy love music in the background because they're all still celebrating in the other room. And Liam is drunk at this point. So he's crawling in the window and then ends up falling in the window through the window and onto the ground and I'm like what are you doing like what why are you coming through the window (laughs) and I was just like so and um then he ends up getting onto one knee like kind of climbing up onto one knee and he has the ring and he starts doing his little spiel (laughs) <laughs> I'm just laughing, and his sister's like I can see her in the window, like uh, recording with her phone, and she didn't actually really get any of it because it's pitch black. The music was too loud in the other room, so the recording's actually just the Bruno Mars um, love song, whatever he <laughs> that song that he's got. <laughs> the, Bruno, the one Bruno Mars love song. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's just like done his drunken spiel, and it was actually really us when you know our whole story and how things unfold it was really us in the end and I was like this is great um and it was quite lovely but then I was like so now how do we go into the other room and tell him now we're also engaged without the kind of yeah yeah. yeah, exactly so we pretty much had to keep it a secret (laughs) for how long (laughs) well we were like okay what do we do from here so now the next plan was how do we stage another engagement? (laughs) (laughs) 
so that we can be like this was the actual one so we don't i'm so excited to catch up with you two again like in the flesh (laughs) after this this is the best it's so funny how it all played out because now it's actually like the best story because I could have told that fairy tale one and people would be like, oh, ah, oh, that's so nice. But this is actually just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's such a cool story to be able to I've share I've ever seen so many weddings <laughs> and obviously like you get the background yarn of how they met and stuff. This is automatically top, like top five, <laughs> if not top three. This is epic. Uh, it's so funny and so it continues. <laughs> So we ended up, we're like, we'll get up really early and we'll climb this mountain that we wanted to climb in Wanaka. I don't even remember which one it was. And we'll do it at sunrise and it will be beautiful and it will just be us, but then we can share it. Like, this is what we did, guys. And, well, we'd all been drinking all night. So we woke up in the morning and we were shattered. (laughs) So we didn't get up. And then it was also raining. So we're like, oh, well, we can't go now. (laughs) So we went back to bed. And then we're like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? Everyone's packing. Everyone's hungover, wanting to like head back home. Like we've got to figure something out. So we're like, well, let's go to that winery that we really loved that we went to the other day. Um, but no one, of course, wants to go to a winery on the day that we're leaving and we're all hungover. The day after hungover. Yeah. <laughs> and so the people that didn't really know what was going on was um, the other girlfriend and the parents um pretty much so it was like Liam told his brother and his sister and then they were trying to get everyone to go to this winery and like why are we going to a winery we don't want to go to a winery and so we ended up having to tell his dad so then his dad could get his mum to go there because she didn't want to go yeah (laughs) and um so we got everyone to the winery and everyone's just sitting there like what are we doing here like why are we here and everyone just wants coffee so we're all ordering coffees and the the coffees are terrible because it's a winery (laughs) and so everyone's complaining about the coffee and so we're just I just want to go and so Liam goes to the chick and I I was like I love winery so I was like I'll do a tasting just to kind of that's why we're here and I knew what the plan was so Liam goes to the lady and just says look I'm going to give you like a signal to bring this bottle of champagne over, wait for the signal. So he goes and sits back down and we're like just having a bit of a chat. And then she comes over and puts the bottle of wine on the table before the signal. And she he looks at this lady like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's looking at this bottle of champagne like, why is there a bottle of champagne? He's like, well, I guess I better do it now then. So he ends up just pretty much getting on one knee and whipping out the ring and then everyone's just like what (laughs) i think um his mum was probably the most surprised because yeah i think it was really more for for her um (laughs) (laughs) and just to kind of give us that saying of like okay we're actually engaged but yeah it was it was still quite like i actually felt really on the spot like it triggered a lot of that childhood stuff of like now everyone's staring at me Mm. I don't like this like (laughs) stop (laughs) and so I felt yeah all of that those layers coming up um which is quite fascinating it's like the experiences that we go through life is just showing us all these different layers of ourselves and things that are sometimes unhealed or things that we've just kind of missed and yes all this stuff was coming up um but it was really beautiful. It was really fun. And then we just spent the next, I think, 
30, 40 minutes getting photos with his, because his sister's a photographer. We were like all the nice, like, oh, this was just so perfectly planned. <laughs> and we try to do the, the, uh, yeah, the you wrap your dance. arms yeah, around yeah. with the, the wine and we're just, we're not so, yeah, we're a bit uncoordinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and then that that's pretty much, I think, the end of it. And then we, we all drove home very excited that there's two engagements and lots of celebrations. And the funny thing is it wasn't that long later that we found out we were pregnant. And so when we announced that, I was like, we're pregnant. We got it first. <laughs> <laughs> Just rammed it in there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I finally get my moment because <laughs> there's no one else <laughs> that I need to share it with. Um, and it was funny. Yeah, they it wasn't can't, that they can't long rush after. that one through. Yeah, it actually wasn't that long after that they announced this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> now I have to share it. <laughs> It's like you're stealing my moment. <laughs> so, are you, so are, are both, can I ask, are both couples married yet? No, I think <laughs> it was it was funny because I, we had actually planned to do ours in Bali, and they were planning to do theirs in New Zealand, and then COVID lockdowns happened, mm. <laughs> and all our families are in different places. So, I think we were waiting for that to kind of clear, but it doesn't look like that's happening anytime soon. No. So. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm going to listen to this again and have the best time of my life. That was the <laughs> best story I've had anyone come on the podcast and tell in ages. So you mentioned partway through this that um, you said that you were very fortunate to be to have like the tools and stuff to your disposal, um, mm. and also we've mentioned COVID and kind of how you know I remember when it first went down. Funny enough, I had actually just been in Perth as well for a wedding. I legit landed back in New Zealand and then I think I went to WOMAD that weekend and then we got told what was going on. I was like, man, I've just come from Australia and I've gone to WOMAD. Something definitely going to go down, but <laughs> luckily nothing ever happened. But obviously a lot of people um, have kind of been battling with, with lockdowns and stuff because of obviously the, the limitations it can put on people, perceived or real, whatever. Um, and then also... Obviously, you used the tools and stuff to get through uh, not only your wedding stuff, but I'm sure other a lot of scenarios too that have that mm. have arisen. So I guess what are the tools for those that are listening and how do we use them? I can I know that from my understanding and what I heard and what I picked up from the lunch table that day, um, it's obviously you've mentioned it as well. There's breath work, there's meditation. It sounds like you do a bit of sound healing as well. And I think the girls mentioned cacao. So these are some things mm. that I'd like kind of want to know more about and I know the listeners do too because these are things that I mean we've I've, I try to dabble in most things and I think I mean I absolutely love breath work so I can't wait for you to talk about that uh, I meditate on the regular cacao is something that I mean I know what it is and I've had sips but I won't lie and say that I've done it intentionally or committed to it in a, in a deeper way um, and the sound stuff like mm. resonates with me as well so wherever you want to yeah. start with how you want to go through it let's get into it yeah I think the first thing that's showing up is actually just stopping like stopping everything and finding like closing yourself in a room like and just slowing down like just noticing just your breath it doesn't matter if what 
type of breath you're doing. Just noticing however your breath is right here, right now. And then noticing what's here. So what emotion are you feeling? What challenge are you experiencing? And then coming into the body and noticing what sensation is in the body. Because all the time we can get stuck in the thoughts and the external and what's going on and what's creating the suffering or the challenge. But what we miss out or what we don't notice is what's actually happening in the body. So when you stop everything and just tune in, and is it like, is there tension? Is there pain? Is there openness? Is there a tingling? Um, what is the sensation that you can feel in your body? And just by doing that, instantly you calm down because you've stopped all the chaos and all of the stuff that's like flying at you that you can't even keep up with it. And that's creating a lot of the panic and the anxiety and the kind of feeling that you're not grounded or safe or like you're just kind of all over the place. So the first thing is just to stop, <laughs> stop thinking and stop like that internal talk and just notice. And that's uh, the biggest thing. I think that's helped me with all the stuff that we've spoken about. It's just noticing what's here. Like, what am I feeling? Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I frustrated? Can I be with that rather than needing to change it or force it out? Can I actually just sit and allow myself to be angry and allow myself to be frustrated or allow myself to feel pain, whether we think it's right or wrong, just give yourself permission to feel. And that's the biggest thing as well was that permission to feel which I really gave my, like the first time I gave it to myself was in my breathwork practitioner training because I didn't know how to feel and to express because I didn't feel safe. And that's why I feel I was so depressed and anxious and rigid and in this control mindset of needing to control everything because I wasn't able to express what was inside. And the breathwork really just took me there to that place of surrender where it was like I didn't, the surrender took over without me needing to need that one, two step or that one, two, three or how to surrender. It just happened. Um, so that was an amazing experience. But then leaving that practitioner training, it was really, it took me a long time to integrate that. And I kind of went back to what I knew of <clears throat> shutting down and holding in and not feeling like I had that safe place to express because the practitioner training you go to a beautiful retreat where everyone's doing it and then you go home and you're like oh where's my safe space so from there um like I mentioned shortly after that is when I got pregnant and because when you're pregnant most people are like oh you got the hormones it's okay you just to feel everything you're expected to be emotional so I was like, this is my permission slip and I took it. <laughs> um, but the thing is, it wasn't just, I noticed as I tuned into that experience, it wasn't just hormones. It was like this door opening and giving me the permission to feel everything that I wasn't allowing myself to feel. So it wasn't just pregnancy. It wasn't just hormones. It was the suppressed stuff that was held in. So that permission to feel is maybe that first step of, can you give that to yourself now? And even if it just starts a little bit, like maybe you only have a moment where one tear comes out and then you disassociate and you stop the tear. Um, maybe you feel a moment of anger and then you kind of find a way to shut that down because we all have these coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms, and these ways to disassociate from our emotions because it's this way of protecting um, ourselves because it can feel like if we go into the emotion that it's never going to end. 
and that we're going to get stuck in there and we're not going to be able to get out and it's almost going to like it's almost like this feeling that you're going to die um if you go into it there's sort of like an all or nothing type association right like you're going to be all or nothing there's no people kind of neglect or forget or perhaps just aren't aware that there's a gray area where you can like dip your feet in and then go away Mm. come back and put a bit more in um, because I remember feeling yeah. like that. I remember thinking you're either all or nothing. There's no halfway. Yeah. And then when I actually learned like, hey, no, you can dabble a little bit here in the middle space mm. until you get so comfortable as to go all in. Um, yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the time we think if we go completely and wholly into the pain, we're going to be consumed by it and never get out. And it's like you're going into this dark hole that you're never going to be able to climb yourself out of. And it's quite scary. So you can do that where you just, let's just have a moment or let's tune into the sensation. So rather than going fully into the anger or the losing control feeling, what's happening in the body? So that's where we come back to what's the emotion? If there's an emotion, what's the sensation? And we just start to notice and become the observer of our experience. So that's one of the, like, that's where I would kind of start, especially if someone's like brand new to anything that I'm sharing or even if you're experienced and you like I noticed I would find all these tools along my journey but then as I would kind of go through another rabbit hole or dark night of the soul I'd kind of ditch all my tools and forget that they were there so you might come back into your tools and like okay where do I start start there what's happening right here right now um permission to feel that's kind of the first thing I wanted to share And then, yeah, the things that we work with in our workshops, it's cacao ceremony, there's breath work, um, sound healing, and I move quite intuitively. So with my guidance and the meditations or the journeys that I offer, it's really just intuitively almost, I guess, channeled from my higher self or something larger than, than just me. It's quite powerful what comes through, and I don't usually know what's going to come through. Um, it's just a real trust, which has taken a, a long time to get there, but finally is here. And yeah, so with the, I'll, I'll just go through the, the way that we usually um, move through the journey. So usually cool. if we're doing a cacao breath and sound, we start with the cacao. So ceremonial cacao is what we use. It's the one that we use is Salino Health um, at the moment from Peru. And it's a plant medicine that's working with the heart space. So it's really connecting with the spirit of cacao. Uh, a lot of people refer to cacao as grandmother cacao. She has, it's got this feminine energy and a lot of wisdom that comes through, supporting with healing, insights. Um, really, she tunes into you and your energy and what you need in each moment. So it's always going to be different each time you have it. Um, each person that has it, it's always a unique because it's an energy meeting with another energy and that's intertwining with each other. So for me, it's one of the things that I actually found first. I found before breath and sound was cacao and I came across it about it was probably five years ago now. And that was the first time that I didn't feel alone. So I was going through this journey of trying to understand why I was feeling these energies of depression, anxiety, And I felt really alone because I didn't know how to share or be open about it. And when I came across cacao, I was like, I could, I was so deeply connected to the spirit and the energy. 
and I, I would drop into this deep state of meditation without even trying. And having such a busy mind, that was quite mind-blowing for me. And I remember just, I remember this one really important time where I was having a cacao and I was sitting at the dining table in my family house and I was just so at peace and so held and so just in the moment, so present. And it's kind of like this feeling of I knew I was safe, I was supported and all was okay. So that was one of my most profound experiences having cacao. But I've also had cacao and got really angry. I've had cacao and cried. I've had cacao and had all this inspiration and creativity flow through. I've had these huge heart awakenings and awarenesses and insights and healing. So I've, I have cacao almost every day now. Um, I'll have a smaller dose for a daily dose than I would if I'm in ceremony. Um, when you're in ceremony, you'd have about 30 to 40 gram dose of this ceremonial cacao. And that helps you to be, to feel grounded, supported, and to drop more deeply into your process, into your journey, into your heart, into your body. It really just takes you inside um, and having that support of spirit with you. So that's what I'll kind of leave there for now. Um, but just know as well that ceremonial grade cacao is very different to the powder that you get in the shop. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people say, oh, I've, I've got my cacao and it's like, oh, that's not quite um, what we're looking for because the powder is separated from the butter and it's gone through a very different processing and it's doesn't really have that potent energy for journeying mm. and for healing. It does have a lot of awesome um, health benefits, so it still can be healing. Um, it can still be profound for some people, but it's very, very different when just you have water, ceremonial just cacao. Down, eh? Yeah. Um, but you just notice it like the biggest difference is that connection to the spirit. Because when the shamans um, traditionally process this ceremonial cacao, they're creating with loving intention. Um, and Selena Health, like, it's one of the best cacaos that I've come across. It's really balanced, really nurturing, um, and really awesome taste as well. But yeah, so I'll leave it there. Um, so mention just quickly before we move into the next one, you mentioned like um, the shamans and stuff like that. From my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of the the origins of cacao ceremonies come from like as a Aztec or Mayan. I'm not sure. Mm. Is there any sort of like what's the word like i guess in order to to do the ceremonies and to practice is there any sort of like um for lack of a better term this is not the right word but i can't think of the word right now like any sort of permissions i guess that need to come from the indigenous people of mm -hmm. the area to kind of be mindful of like cultural appropriation and stuff like that i've always wondered so i guess yeah here's a chance to ask yeah um i don't believe you need to get a permission um, from anyone physically but what I would be saying is to speak directly to cacao speak directly to that spirit that energy and to your higher self because I believe it's all of our right to explore and experience and receive this medicine and this because it's so heart awakening and especially in the time that we are in now and there's a lot of fear and stuff going on at the moment to have something that helps you come back into your heart space and to help you feel supported 
that's all our right um, in my opinion and perception and so it's more of honoring and respecting the medicine so rather than just kind of I guess making your cacao and it's almost just like a say a replacement for your coffee because it can be I've had clients that now don't drink coffee and because they get their balanced energized focused energy from the cacao but rather than just kind of throwing it back can you take even just a moment even if it's only a minute um, to just connect in and say thank you or say welcome or hi mama cacao or whatever you want to say but have that kind of honoring respecting process of i'm receiving can i just sit with my cacao and i think that's what's amazing with the ceremonial cacao is that you can't just make it like an instant coffee um it doesn't take too long but you a lot of people have said when they're making it yeah it's got the process so that process becomes like the meditation of when you're making your cacao and it's so sacred that it could just be you're being so present as you make your cacao that that could be the way that you respect it rather than just pouring it into some boiling hot water shaking it and downing it <laughs> i can't i can't um, help but like i can't help but think of like the process of making a hangi it's like very mm. similar you know like digging the hole um grabbing the rocks the conversations they kind of we call it whanaungatanga and maori don't it's like that relationship that kinship that happens during the process and i think you know because there's this big i'm not going to call it a war but there's a big discussion at the moment between like the the steamer hangis that you can just make on your stove or like doing it the og way through the ground and it's similar to what you're kind of describing is that there's a process involved and there's a reason mm. for that um, yeah I mean I, I don't kind of lean any which way but it's just interesting <laughs> that that's what kind of came to mind as you were talking about that process and that ceremony and even sitting there and having the gratitude and the intent behind it at all the first thing I think of when you mention those things is the process of making a hangi so yeah that's interesting that's correct yeah yeah and I find a lot of people have said because you can get the cacao in different forms so there's like the the slab which is like a, a one kg block and you've got to shave it yourself um, or you can get buttons which are quite convenient and a lot of people have said they actually prefer the block because it feels sacred sitting with their like or standing with their block shaving it and taking that time so other people do want the convenience and um, I'm not saying it's wrong to have one of those ones where you know I really want a cacao but I don't have a lot of time. So you just kind of whiz it together and that's great. But can you just take that moment to say thank you? It doesn't take long to say thank you and just know that that was your process of honoring it. So it's not always saying that you have to make this whole huge thing about it. Cause I do um, every second month, we've got a, a free virtual cacao ceremony and it goes for 90 minutes. So I'm not saying you've got to do something like that every time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just having those few minutes. Um, and a lot of people have said that actually has changed their life in a big way because it's the one time that they actually feel fully present and at peace within themselves is when they're having their cacao and then um we have these like little ceremonial mugs and people have their little mug for their their cacao and it just makes it that that special process mm. awesome so we've talked about the breath work we've done cacao where actually did we i don't know if we um we'll go a little more into the breath um yeah yeah, the breathwork that we work with is Biodynamic Breathwork Trauma Release System. So they're a company, they're based in the US. Um, he's from the guy that created the modality. He's actually from Ukraine. 
Um, it's Giten Tonkov um, is the mentor and they usually travel worldwide doing this. It's kind of like a retreat style practitioner training. So I did mine in Kinkin in Australia, which is in Queensland um, up north a little bit. <clears throat> and so I went to, it's like pretty off grid. Um, it was just beautiful and amazing. And that's another probably call in itself. That was a huge journey as well. And that was just like, I could feel when I went there, the, the hardness, like this kind of shell that kept me captive. And it was just this journey of breaking that shell open. And it was incredible. The first day walking in, I was so excited to go. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I got there, I was petrified. I was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> Get me out. Like, and I was just in this kind of mode of freeze. And I was just kind of going along with like kind of following as like a bit of um, what everyone else was doing, like going to where I needed to go. But I was just in this freeze mode. And I remember they were going around the circle um, and they were like, share a little bit like who you are and your intention or, or whatever the, the thing is that you want to share. And I was probably, I can't remember how many of us there were, um, probably 20-ish. And so I was closer toward the end. So I was sitting there sweating, like as each person was sharing and I was in my head, I wasn't even really present listening. I was thinking about what I was going to say and I was rehearsing it. So I knew exactly what to say so I could whiz it out and it could just go on to the next person. And I was just having the, one of the biggest panic attacks of my life is <laughs> thinking I was going to speak aloud in this circle of like 20 people. Um, and this is only in the end of 2019. Now I'm traveling the country facilitating groups. So it's <laughs> pretty in insane. Um, but yeah, I just remember sweating. And so it got to me. I literally took probably no more than 30 seconds to spit out what I had rehearsed and then move on. <laughs> and then I was just like, I was shaking. It was in intense. Um, and then they broke us into these family groups. And so I was in a group of, there was four of us. And again, I was the last one. And I was just like, shaking panicking in a group of four now <laughs> and it got to me and i just burst into tears like i just couldn't hold it anymore and it was just like <laughs> came out um so going from that and then like my first breath session i was i remember being on all fours and i couldn't move i was just crying i didn't want to make sound everyone's just like full having these cathartic releases screaming like moving their entire body just like full on I could hear them I was like I can't I can't sound like that I can't do that I'm not going to look like that and so I had all these judgments about myself of like if I were to sound or look like something like that that's wrong there was a wrongness and I was like mm. I just can't do that so I ended up having the practitioner help me through that so to go from not being able to do the breath or the movement or the sound to the I think it was only actually the third day, the third session, because we're moving down the belts of tension, which closely correlate to the chakras. Um, so I was working on the throat and this is my, probably my biggest block. And I just remember um, the practitioner again, the facilitator coming and helping me. And I wanted to find this way of bypassing. And like, she's like, what do you need to say? I was like, I forgive, I forgive. She's like, no, you're not ready to forgive. You're not forgiving right now. <laughs> and she was like, what do you actually want to say? How about no, like get off me because I had um, sexual uh, abuses that I was working through and so times where 
I was either frozen and didn't know how to say no or I did say no and it wasn't um, respected and so it was like this kind of getting my voice to scream no and it was this kind of build up she was like build the energy and I could feel like the fire in my solar plexus and then all of a sudden I'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs like no <laughs> and it was just so tremendous like and I was just like tears pouring down my face and then these huge like tremorings and releases um I remember at one point I was tremoring so hard I wasn't even on the mat anymore um it was like this full wall like exorcism kind of feeling and mm. From that, it was just the journey continued of release because that was only day three. We were there for eight days. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and then I remember at one point, like almost like this lightness in my body and I was in our little cabin and I kind of walked past the mirror and I had to stop and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, is that me? And it was like I was seeing myself for the first time and it was just like this kind of full body like goosebumps tingling of like I have never seen myself before like these masks had just come down and my true self was shining through and I just remember being in such joy and bliss and I'd never felt that in my life it was just magic <laughs> so I just like I was a completely changed person but the funny thing is as I went home and I was like racing home pretty much because I was just so excited to share all of this with Liam and I for two days I felt on top of the world but I also knew that my parents were coming to visit and I kind of I had this um this feeling that I didn't know how to hold that vibration and still connect with my parents because there was a lot of stuff that I was still healing from that aspect of my life and mm. um i would always drink with mum as a way of like connection and having that that close time together and in this place i didn't want to drink because i knew the drinking would lower my vibration and make me feel like crap again because that was a big trigger for me having like i was pretty much a, a functioning alcoholic which i just didn't admit to myself because alcohol alcohol was so socially accepted and it took me a long time to realize oh I've actually got a problem <laughs> um and so I didn't know what to do and then I chose I actually remember vividly having this conversation with myself and I consciously chose to come down so that I could connect with my family and it's not that I needed to but I thought I had to so it's not that they asked me to, it's not that they needed yeah, me to yeah. be anyone else, but inside I thought that I had to drop myself because I didn't know how to be this kind of person because it was just so foreign to me and to still be able to connect with people I loved. It's and the all or nothing with, mentality again, yeah, right? It was, yeah, connecting with mum and dad was more important. Um, but the funny thing is I made that decision and then we were pretty much the whole time that they were there i wanted to show them a good time and so we were drinking the whole time and it was triggering all of this stuff that was unhealed inside and i ended up getting really resentful and and towards them from for my decision Interesting. <laughs> so yeah it was quite a fascinating experience to observe because i knew what was happening i knew what i was doing i knew that it was my choice but i was still feeling all these emotions and projecting it at them 
so that created another whole layer of healing so that's a whole other story but (laughs) yeah so from that like it took me about a a year to really integrate that practitioner training so that was a really big thing but just to see how much that can shift going from that day one of the practitioner training to that day seven but then you can have a huge release and then you can almost be brought back into old patterns old behaviors as a way to see what you were doing or what you're still doing or what's unhealed and it's it's this journey of becoming aware so through this it almost kind of slingshot me into another dark night of the soul but this time i was the observer in it so when I was going down the deep, dark rabbit holes, I knew what I, what was happening and I was observing it and it was quite scary. It was almost like I was finally, finally seeing clearly what I had been doing for so long and how I was abusing myself. And so through that, that's when I, it got to the point where I was like, I don't know how to, to be with all of this. It's a lot. And that's when we came to New Zealand. <clears throat> so from there, um, when we came to New Zealand, it was my time to just slow down, to reflect and to figure out what I want to do with my life. And yeah, so where do I want to go with this? Yeah, so it was huge integration. And then when I came back to, um, I did the next part of my training and it all just clicked in, but coming back to the breath work, um, yeah, it can bring up a lot and it can be really intense <laughs> it's so like and, it's 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 like i'm not analysticism and me having to go at you but like it's so it's it's such an undersell eh? like it's so hard to actually put into words like especially yeah. that first time well for me anyway the first time i did it like i was like holy shit i i didn't that like it wasn't like, like some people would say vision that wasn't a vision man that was freaking real like the shit that i saw mm. Um, I've spoken about my experience on the podcast before and and like like having visitors from people that are past and things like that and having conversations with them. And it's um and I, I say to people like the closest thing, the closest thing I can relate it to is having DMT. Like yeah. I said, that's like the close and like if you don't know, then sweet. But if you want to maybe have such an experience, but without actually taking the DMT then definitely give mm. breath work a go and um yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh, yeah when you say like it's life-changing man it's it's hard to even um like I feel yeah. like that doesn't even really do it justice I know and I think that's probably why I was taken into sharing the journey or one of the journeys because it is so hard to say this is what breath work is or this is what you're going to experience because every time you do it it's different yeah. And every person that does it, it's different. So one of my, well, probably my favorite part of the workshops that we do is when we share, because everyone's had a completely different experience and every workshop is so different that it's just so amazing that the same kind of tool is creating so many different uniqueness and journeys coming through. Um, so it is something to experience for yourself. Um, but what we're doing is connected breath movement vocal expression emotional expression body work and meditation and you're weaving all of these things together and it's also having like what i said in the beginning being in the body noticing what's here becoming that observer and giving yourself permission to feel so all the other things it's kind of like you're focusing on the breath and if you can just give yourself permission to feel 
that's really for me the biggest part and then the other stuff comes because there's times where if you're say dipping your toe in and you know what not all the time you're going to have these huge sessions where you move and have like big cathartic releases some are really subtle and so you're noticing the subtle shifts that are happening in the body that are still just as powerful so it's not that you're always going to have these huge intense experiences but you can also have those but they're all really profound and it's i find in the integration where a lot of the actually the healing and the shifting takes place because if i think about my practitioner training that was a huge activation and that was a it was a clearing out and there was a lot that shifted but that year of that followed i was given so much awareness into my entire life and so much happened in that time giving myself the space to actually just notice without forcing myself to jump straight into hosting workshops and helping others I was moving through my own journey but that integration is where a lot of the the magic happens and you just receive so much but yeah so that's breath work <laughs> <laughs> but honestly like I mean and I fully um I love that you dug into that background and kind of you know circumnavigated back to kind of I guess where it all not where it comes from like itself as an origin but just I guess your relationship to it and why you find it being so important and worth doing for people because it just like people's results mm. or people shares after our journeys to getting to the point of doing breath work are also varied and super nuanced mm. and super special as well everyone I've spoken to how did you first arrive at doing breath work everyone's got a different story um, so like, just to share with you that my listeners have heard my story a million times, but essentially the first time I ever did it was on my birthday and my friends said, Hey, we should go do this for your birthday. And I just said, yeah, cool. And that was it. None <laughs> of us had ever done it before. We really didn't know what it was, but it was just something different. And we pride ourselves in being a bit like, you know, trying things different. Um, and it's a birthday experience that I'll never, ever forget it's the best mm. thing ever and obviously everyone that you meet on that trip the first time you ever do one of those a lot of them you keep in touch with so a lot of them they'll message on my birthday and say happy birthday but today was also the day that this happened I'm like yeah um but yeah like I cannot for for those listening I cannot stress enough about how amazing the experience is and I'll tell you right now though it sucks at the time it, it breaks you <laughs> so don't don't do it and then call me the day after or the evening of and say hey you told me to do this and it was actually really painful look shit does come up and it is really tough but a couple of days later a week later a mm. month later somewhere down the track you'll reflect and you'll realize for, uh, i don't know what to call it but i've been referring to it as an unlocking there's an mm. unlocking that occurs there's a clicking there's an epiphany um and you actually find yourself deeply grateful for it and then you'll be wanting to do it again but yeah the day of straight after maybe even a couple of days potentially some people love it off the bat but a lot of people i speak to they're like what the fuck was that and, they, <laughs> and they're and they're a little bit thrown off but yeah we'll get there. it's so funny because that it's so true like that training that i did was absolutely incredible it was hard but i felt on top of the world after but then I felt pretty crap for the next year. <laughs> like it brought up a lot of stuff and it wasn't really until 
the beginning of this year that I actually started to feel like good more regularly, like more consistently and balanced and grounded and connected and everything just started to flow. But there was like a, a year and a half from, or like even two years from when I first found breathwork of clearing out and purging. And so I never really enjoyed breathwork sessions. Like I knew how powerful it was and I loved the results and I loved how, how it just worked. But I hated doing the journeys until I was doing my second part of my training, which was online um, because of the, the worldly situation, not being able to travel. Um, and it was like an eight-month course online and I hated it. <laughs> but it was funny because there was one session that I remember really vividly that I had to do a student exchange. And that was, um, I believe it was earlier this year. And for the first time, I went into the breathwork journey thinking like most of my journeys have been quite intense or painful or uncomfortable, whatever. And I just felt joy. And I remember my mouth starting to smile like and it was just I felt embarrassed, which was quite interesting. So I, that's when I tuned in and realized, actually, I'm embarrassed to feel good. So somewhere down the line, I was wronged when I was experiencing joy. And this can happen not intentionally, kind of like when you're a baby and you're putting everything in your mouth and it's like also joyful and pleasurable, everything goes in the mouth and you're constantly told, no, no, that's yucky, don't do that. Or you start exploring um, your yoni or your bits and pieces and it's, oh no, that's, that's wrong. Like, mm. And it's not intentional that parents do this, but it's kind of like, yeah, they think they're doing it. And, they think you're doing it yeah. for your protection or for your own good, right? But yeah, and I guess and they so, are just doing the best they can with what they have at the time. But that's mm, not always, in yeah. retrospect, um, not yeah. always the way it should have went, perhaps. Yeah, and you make those connections. Oh, this is pleasurable. I've just been told it's wrong, so now I'm going to dull that, or stop that, or shut that down because I don't want to be wronged. I'm now embarrassed about it. So I don't know exactly what it was for me, but I think there was something when I was quite young that made that connection. And then when we have those layers forming, when you're so vulnerable and receptive, you start to create more of those layers and it's subconscious this happening. It's just how, how we kind of function or how we work. The subconscious mind starts to hold all, like holds everything. Um, the body remembers everything. And it's just sitting there and we create from that space. So then we create more experiences um, in our lives that create more of that. So we start to feel wrong about joy. We start to shut that down. And then if we're shutting one part of ourselves down, we're shutting other parts. And that could have been why we experience depression is because we're shutting a lot of down and we're holding a lot in and yeah. we're becoming these depressed and dulling stuff out. Um, and that's what it was for me. So I'm not going to say that's what it is for everyone, but that's how I started to connect and my awareness coming in for what I was experiencing. Um, so yeah, this session, I was the first session out of, I don't know how many I've had that I was like, I'm feeling joy. And yeah, that embarrassment came up as I was smiling and I felt safe enough to actually share with um, my partner who was guiding me. And she was like, 
well let's just smile let's just laugh together so she ended up laughing with me and I was just like laughing and then it just took the the pressure off yeah and then I was just like from there I was able to move and I was exploring through my touch and I was just like really getting into the session and it was just such an awesome session and I was like oh good feeling good is actually healing as well I had in my mind for a long time that if I wasn't crying or screaming or tremoring, having these big intense releases or let's call them negative emotions if you want to, um, if I wasn't feeling that, it wasn't working. But actually I had to make that connection for myself that feeling peace, bliss, joy, pleasure, all of that is as well healing. So it was that moment where I started to actually give myself full permission to feel everything because I was giving myself permission to cry and to be angry and frustrated, but I forgot to give myself permission to feel the, the opposites. Um, and none of them are good or bad or wrong or right. They're just different energies. <laughs> Isn't it strange? And I don't know how else to say this. So part of, like, I apologize if this is kind of a bit vulgar, but isn't it like messed up how like it almost feels like, and obviously tell me if you disagree, but it almost feels like we spend the first or like the second part of our lives unlearning the shit we've learned in the first part. Yeah. It's yep. fucking weird, eh? <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you learn an exercise wrong or like not quite on point and then you've got to relearn it and it's harder. <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah it's uh and do you think like because what we've talked about a lot about like um reoccurring lessons right do you think they're like life is just a series of lessons (laughs) yeah and i think that's why we've come here is to experience to learn to grow to evolve and this is how we've chosen to do it um and I think there's, yeah, there's maybe detours and we maybe make things harder for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's all part of the journey. And I notice for myself and I now really clearly see it in others when there's things that are really challenging coming up and and things that we want to, whether we want to blame or we, we're just kind of consumed by it sometimes it's part of the journey and it's not always easy, but it feels like life's a breathwork journey. <laughs> yeah. True. That, yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, we're breathing. We're breathing. We're feeling, we're moving, we're expressing like sometimes we don't fully express, but life is a breathwork journey and <laughs> it's yeah. What pace do you want to take it at? <laughs> I want to ask as well, yeah. at, the very, at the very beginning of our conversation, you mentioned, um, because just now you've mentioned like potentially this, this part of you that makes you wonder if that's why we're here, um, is for these lessons. At the very beginning of, of the conversation, you mentioned like the term God. What, what's your kind of beliefs around source and things like that? I'm just mm. interested to know, like, yeah, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. <laughs> well, um... I'm really focused at the moment with my connection to higher self and a lot of people talk about their guides and I really struggled with guides for a long time and I've now acknowledged for me 
that our guides are just different aspects and versions of ourself in different dimensions. Mm. <laughs> um, and so source to me is everything. It's me. It's you. It's the universe. It's yeah, it's, it's all. So I feel like I'm just an aspect or a splinter of source. So when I am like channeling or using my intuition or guiding or whatever, I'm connecting to source, but I'm connecting to my higher self. So for me, it's just a, a higher version of me that's got all the knowing and all of the, the stuff. And then it's kind of coming through me at the perfect time. And I find it quite fascinating as well. Now when I, because I can kind of become the observer for myself as well as a lot of other people and they might mm -hmm. be sharing something and I'm observing from a place of just pure observation that there's no judgment or wrong or right, but I'm seeing it and then I try to share it with that person to, to answer there or give them the solution and it comes out in a scrambled mess because they're not ready to receive that information. Yeah. It's quite fascinating, but then there's other people where I'm – talking to them and they're ready to receive all and all these like just recommendations or ideas start flowing through and i believe that's coming from a, an aspect of source or higher self but yeah i've just started to recently really tune into i don't need to call on anyone else but my higher self and i believe that all of us here our higher selves also talk and work together to help support us in the journey moving forward so yeah that's yeah no awesome yeah. perfect i didn't i didn't have any kind of expectations around the question i just wanted to know <laughs> what what is your what is your kind of belief system or you know what are you what are your thoughts around source and it's amazing a lot of that stuff i i definitely relate to and in past episodes um i've spoken before about um so i've got a few religious family members and we used to get into um, arguments around like meditation versus prayer. Um, and I always used to like stress, like it's the same thing, but I mean, my, my perception of it was that, and similar to what you're saying is that we with meditation for me anyway, I'm looking inwards and from what I'm hearing from what you're saying within ourselves, we find source. And mm. so obviously um, my family's beliefs around prayer is that you're looking above for guidance or for an answer and I would always argue well you know they say that we are made in the image of God or God's in the image of us whatever so I'm looking inwards at the same thing that you're looking upwards at it's the same thing mm, um yeah but that's your kind of what you've spoken about has, has similarities there so it sounds relative yeah I totally resonate because I I find what I see now and I've also experienced is that we were, there's this, whether it's a mentality or a program or an idea or a belief system, there's some, someone bigger than us. Like there's a God that's not us who's more powerful or there's an angel or an archangel or there's someone else that we're almost giving our power away to. Mm. Um, and so yeah i because i have had all different beliefs and all different ideas and um it always shifts and changes and it's beautiful as it kind of unravels 
But what I've noticed now is like when you take that power back and you tune into your higher self and receive that guidance and that insight from you, that's where a lot of your power comes from in creating what you want to create for yourself. So how you want to show up and what you want to create in your reality. But if you're constantly giving that power away, then it's really hard to do that because you don't have much power left. Um, But yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Like when you're praying to someone else, it is kind of a bit of external, like pushing away. Whereas when you're meditating um, and going inwards, yeah, yeah, it definitely resonates with what you're saying. I want to ask as well, you brought up... um like just very quickly probably hoping that I didn't ask questions but I want to because I find it's, it's kind of it's topical at the moment but that's not the reason why I want to bring it up reason why I want to bring it up well yeah because it is topical but also because I think it's important and also because I think there's a bit of a sea change in terms of attitudes um, being able to talk about it you briefly mentioned um, the exploration with the Yoni stuff now mm-hmm. I no, not I'm a dude so I'm not going to pretend that I know but it feels like there's a big shift happening at the moment where, and once again, I apologize if my terminology is wrong, but there's a, a lot of return to power for women in the sexual space. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like, I mean, you know, I wholeheartedly admit to whether it's attitudes or practices in terms of patriarchy that have like dismissed the importance of women having pleasure in the bedroom mm-hmm. or any other place. It doesn't have to be in a bedroom. So do you find that's happening as well? Or do you think it's kind of, there's like, the, I'm not going to call it a renaissance per se, but there seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a awakening mm-hmm. within, within um, the feminine and that aspect. Yeah. There's a, a massive shift as the divine feminine comes back onto this earth. It's been shunned for a long time. We've been living in quite a masculine world um and you can see it in in the past as well like for generations and thousands of years women have been pushed down like just in like not being out of work or not earning the same or like there's just a lot of ways that women have been held down and then you go back and it's almost like there's a lot of the energies where women were owned or um taken advantage of and all of this stuff and I believe in past lives and reincarnation, all of that stuff. And I believe all of us have probably experienced that kind of energy, but definitely even in this lifetime, I experienced sexual abuse and um, even growing up, I didn't feel safe to talk about sex. It felt really uncomfortable and really wrong. Like there was this wrongness around it. And I don't know if that was, coming from my childhood or if that's some past life kind of stuff but yeah I never felt right about it and I always felt really uncomfortable and really rigid around it like I just had no interest in being sexual growing up and everyone in school had started to explore in that way and I just was not ready and then I felt like I had to because other people were and I wasn't going to fit in kind of thing and it was just yeah there's a lot of like layers of trauma me sexually so that's been another massive area that I'm still working through and I'm just so lucky to have a partner like Liam that's so understanding and supportive of that space and then I can be so open with and it's quite fascinating it's another area where I remember 
from my past of the alcohol and the partying and I was giving that like sexual area energy away um to others that wasn't really honoring or respecting myself and being with Liam I've learned to honor and respect myself and so before it was kind of like this just pleasurable act um that you did whereas now it's so profoundly healing and it's another um, area where I give myself permission to feel so now it's like I can um be with Liam and we and like we can laugh I can cry if I need to I can have all these different emotions and it's all welcome so that feels like another big part of the journey of being going through breathwork and giving myself permission to feel it also happens in like all areas of my life and through allowing myself to feel has opened those areas and cleared out so much trauma that I've been carrying for all my life and potentially even multiple lifetimes. Um, but yeah, I think all over the world, a lot of that is happening where that trauma is being cleared out, but to clear out trauma, you've got to bring it to the surface. And so I think that's why a lot of the, the chaos is happening at the moment is because we're doing a huge clearing out collectively so that we can shift into a new way of being. Oh, that makes me feel a lot better about stuff <laughs> because like, I've like, I, I like, I, I am in whole, I acknowledge that there is chaos, but the vision that I keep on having or seeing is like, I'm a, I'm a kid selling lemonade at a lemonade stand sitting in the middle of the eye of a storm and around me there's just carnage and I'm just here going hey does anyone want lemonade but it just seems like <laughs> it's absolutely because all around me and I'll admit like I've gotten into spaces where I feel really bad because I feel quite good and kind of at peace and just want people to have some lemonade and chill out with me but it's just all you see around you is the craziness and the carnage and um mm. you know I don't want to say people buying into stuff but you know there's all sorts of things being thrown around and I've really had to work on being at peace with the fact that I don't feel like that and I'm okay. Mm. For a long time, I was feeling bad. Yeah. Like, man, how come I feel so at peace and everyone else is going fucking ape shit right now? Yeah, I think, I believe there's a, a huge awakening happening. And when awakenings happen, as I know from my personal experience, a lot of crap comes out. And the stuff that Liam and I went to, I went through, in our relationship as part of my clearing out it's a surprise that we've made it through <laughs> so our relationship has been chaos and all over the place but it's been the most healing experience i've ever i've had so i yeah it, it doesn't always look good yeah <laughs> but it it does life's a breathwork session <laughs> exactly and Minor Liam's relationship, it's just been really intense and it's been through huge waves. And I think that's what we're also going through collectively. It's this awakening and these things coming to light and people having to deal with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hold it in anymore. It's it's time to come out and to, to be with it and to feel it and to express it and move through that so that you can start to together create a new way of being and more of that peace and more of that love and the unity and i think i'm in a similar space that the last couple of years like pretty much since covid hit i've actually had 
everything that I've ever wanted come through for me. But it hasn't been easy. I've had a lot of challenge and and stress and fear and all different emotions, but it's also been the best time of my life. So it's it's quite fascinating that we can feel both. We can like just like what I was saying, I was always focusing on those so-called negative emotions and I wasn't allowing myself to feel the positive. Now I'm just feeling it all and moving through those waves and I'm being divinely guided and I feel like I'm almost just laying back and there's this just kind of beautiful wave kind of like I'm that I'm surfing and I but I'm just like laying there and being carried. Um and it's so that, that's funny that we've surrender. both got we've both got visions of like <laughs> that sort of nature related carnage yeah. happening around us. But yeah it's totally like yeah like tsunamis happening all over while I'm just kind of riding this beautiful <laughs> wave. But yeah, it isn't always easy. And the last couple of years has not been easy for me either. And um, even having a baby and having all this celebration, but all my family's in a different mm. country. So I don't want to say like, oh, it's all kind of butterflies and yeah. rainbows and all of that over here. But it's actually just giving yourself permission to feel it all and to be with it all. And then that's where the suffering ends is when you actually are just present and you just hold space for whatever's here right now rather than having anxiety about the future or feeling depressed about the past because a lot of the time when we focus on the past what didn't go right we get really kind of depressed and yeah. down and um, have all these emotions about it and then we think about the future and like what's going to happen like there's all this uncertainty and it creates this like panic and anxiety and fear and uncertainty and I think a lot of that's what's happening right now we don't know what's going to happen we're so in this kind of standstill of like things could change tomorrow and it's creating a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, but can we just notice, like let yourself feel that for one, but come back to the present moment and notice how it feels in your body and then just focus on your breath and then realize all that anxiety is dissipated. <laughs> um, it might come back. And that's what I say to all my clients is like, we're not here to fix something to force something, to get rid of something and then never feel it again. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I've dealt with this. Why is it coming back? And it's like, well, it's it's <laughs> not coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's another layer to it. But then there's also, well, maybe it's not actually coming back at all. Maybe it's very, very different, but you're noticing the similarities and saying, oh, because this is similar to that, it's the same thing. It's like, well, actually, maybe there's some subtle differences. Can you notice those? And then can you just hold space for what's here? And there's um, someone that shared, I believe it was in my breathwork course, um, and she was saying, if you fully felt the emotion that's here, like fully to complete, like 100% went into it, it lasts no more than 90 seconds. When you suppress it and hold it, it creates layers and it dwells and it lingers for sometimes years decades centuries <laughs> lifetimes mm. so because we suppress it and then it comes up and then we suppress it and it comes up and then you end up being with it for so long unless but if you just fully felt it it you goes it. yeah and then you move through and then it you know it can come back you fully feel it and then it flows and it's like these just these waves and the suffering ends when you can become present and just let yourself fully feel but when you're suppressed and trying to avoid and try and chase other things that you want, 
a lot of the suffering is in that place. And there was a beautiful um, book that I read as well, which is The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And there was this awesome like scene in the book and this man, um, who, one of the characters, he owns a cafe and he puts his love and like his heart, his soul into this cafe, into his food. And it catches fire and it burns down. And he sees, um, the main character sees this guy break down, fall to his knees and completely like just scream out and cry and wail. And it was only probably that kind of 90 seconds, couple of minutes, he gets up fine as ever. And he's like, aren't you, why aren't you sad? Like what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm, I think I might go do this now. And he just kind of like, he's felt it. He's not ignoring that, but it's like, okay, this has happened. This is obviously the opportunity because now this was keeping me here. Now my journey is going to continue and take me elsewhere. So that was yeah, quite a, a beautiful. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, so I was like, ah, yeah. And you can read something like that or hear something like that and be like, well, I'm doing something different or trying to um, implement that can be a little challenging. But now I feel like I'm actually in a space like I read this book years and years ago, but now I'm in a space where I actually feel like I'm living that. And there's still moments, there's still layers and there's still stuff that I do hold on to. But then when it comes up, I can just hold space for it and it just flows through. And then we go to the, we have a laugh and we flow to the next moment. <laughs> All right. Two last questions I've got for you before you rock and roll. Um, first one is when you're going through those, like those pits, you know, we mentioned the peaks and the pitfalls. How do you bounce back from those? I think it comes back again to the stop, <laughs> breathe, <laughs> actually notice what's happening because we can get in our, <laughs> we can get in our head about it and we can create something that it's, it's not really like we put all these kind of masks on it and it's like, well, what are you actually feeling? Let yourself feel that. And then as you let yourself feel that, it's usually something else. So if you're feeling frustrated, there was um, a, experience recently where I let myself feel the frustration and then when the frust when I did that I because I was trying to analyze the frustration but then when I just let myself feel it it dissipated and then all this grief came up and I let myself feel the grief and then as that released I came into this like balance and then there was another situation recently where I felt this huge release of trauma happening and as the trauma was happening my body was tremoring and there wasn't much emotion but I knew something was releasing and then I started as like the release was happening I started to laugh now I don't know why I was laughing but I wasn't analyzing I just let myself laugh and then as and then my laugh started to turn into a cry and I was there was no tears yet it just that I could feel it was a cry and then all of a sudden the tears followed and then it all dissipated so it's really becoming that observer and just letting whatever is here to just do its thing. <laughs> just stop trying to analyze it or label it or force it or change it. Just let it be. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's hard, it's, it can be harder or easier said than done. And I completely resonate with that because I remember so many teachers saying, just surrender. And I'm like, just give me the steps. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I get it. <laughs> okay, but, step yeah. one's to surrender. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. give me the other steps. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be, and there, there's still times to me where I, I struggle and I use all my coping mechanisms without realizing, and then a week later I'm really struggling and I'm like, hang on, what's going on here? And then you tune in. So sometimes you don't get it straight away. Sometimes yeah. it takes you a little bit, but it's a practice. Life is a practice. We're not aiming for perfection. We're not aiming to like always get rid of something in 90 seconds. You can, but that doesn't mean you have to. Maybe there's something that wants to linger because there's more to be juiced, kind of like those, the lem- like what make, um, when life gives you lemons, make the lemonade. It's like, well, when I, what I talk to about, clients is um or with clients is if there's something still here if there's something that's reoccurring maybe that thing that experience that emotion has more to share with you has more to give to you so if you can see the opportunity and come in with gratitude of oh this has come back because it wants to share more it wants to give me more then you can sit from that place and feel whatever's here receive whatever's here um Hopefully that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine your answer might be too dissimilar, but I just wanted to, and I, and I ask this of every guest that comes on the podcast, bearing in mind, you're not a mental health professional. Well, you might be, I don't mm. know. We haven't talked about it, but I'm going to assume <laughs> not. Um, there's someone listening right now who's going through a bit of a rough patch. They might feel at their lowest of lows. What would your invitation message um, or guidance be to them at this moment in time? Mm. Yeah, what is that lowest of lows sharing with you? Um, yeah, I think it's all intertwined and it's how deeply can you hold space for yourself? How how much deeper compassion can you master up for yourself? Because that's a big thing is I, I think a lot of the time we're judging ourselves, we're criticizing ourselves and how much how much more compassion can you have? How much more love can you have for yourself? And sometimes it can be hard to have compassion or love, but even if it's just that little bit, if you can just have a moment um, and just have empathy for yourself because it's not easy being human. (laughs) Um, And in those times, like if I was speaking to my old, the old version of myself, I think a lot of what I've said, it would kind of be, oh, it's easy for you, kind of, because that's what I remember thinking with some people, they seem to have it all figured out, and I was like, oh, it's so easy for you, and I just can't figure it out, I can't get it, and it's like, you do, you do get it eventually, (laughs) but it's, we're not in a rush. I believe that whatever you're going through right now is here to teach you and to help you grow, and it doesn't always feel like that, but yeah, just Give yourself a break, <laughs> breathe, notice the sensations rather than like attaching to I am depressed, I am anxious. You're, you're affirming that that's who you are when that's not who you are. If you can see the depression and observe it and then actually ask yourself, well, who am I then? If I'm not this depression, who am I? Um, go into that self-reflection and just... When you are feeling depressed, tune into your body. What does the body feel like? Notice the sensations and then know that it's all energy and it's all moving. Just let that that energy move and it will. 
Just be patient. <laughs> There we go, Fano. That was the episode there with Monique Carmella, getting into all things to do with the ups and downs of our emotions, making sure that we really, really give ourselves permission to feel everything that's going on. So many people don't give themselves that leeway, right? They put all this judgment on themselves and don't let themselves open up. And then sometimes you end up putting that judgment onto other people too. Of course, some other things that come up in that quarter are becoming a mum and how that can affect life as well and the labels and things that come along with that. Uh, Balancing people's true selves and authentic selves with the self that the world wants you to be. Looking into the medicines like cacao, sound frequencies, breath work and all that good stuff. Make sure you go back and listen to those different parts as well to really own in. You can definitely start out by checking things out on, say, YouTube and also on Spotify with your podcasts and stuff. You can actually just tap in meditation and so much stuff comes up uh, that you'll be able to hack into that way as well. So make sure you're using all those tools around you. If you want to check out what Carmela is up to, make sure you head to her website. It's super easy. Just moniquecarmela.com. Carmela, C-A-R-M-E-L-A. Nice and easy. You can book on one-to-one sessions with her. You can book in for yoga retreats. You can become uh, a part of a little ropu that she has going as well. Uh, And also you can pick up a ebook um, on cacao rituals and breath work. So she's got a lot of tools there. Not just talking the talk, but walking the walk too. And keep an eye out on her Facebook and things like that for when she's going to be back traveling the country. And you can go and catch up and participate in some of her workshops. So, Etiwi, it's been awesome having you along for another episode. We'll see you next time. Hey, kuna.